God has a way of changing us from what we were to what he wants us to be. And yes, I know that sometimes that's a long, lengthy process. But friends, know this. The work the Bible says that God's begun in you, he will fulfill it. That's today on It's Time. Listening to It's Time on CSN International, the daily teaching ministry from Pastor Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. We're in the book of First Peter in chapter one, and today Mike will be examining what a Christ-driven life is like. Is living in Christ following a bunch of religious rules set forth by man, or is it simply surrender to the Lord? With more, here's Pastor Mike. God has an inheritance for each person who believes in Him. And you don't have to wait till you die to have that inheritance. You see, we're going to get a grand inheritance in heaven, but you know, your life is to be rich with the inheritance that God has for you right now. It begins when we accept Christ as Savior, and then God continues to put into us according to His purposes. Now, what we find here is we pick up where we left off last week in understanding this great inheritance that we have. In verse 13, he says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He said, gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, get control of your thought pattern. Do you know your thoughts can lie to you? Have you ever been lied to by your thoughts? You might think about that for a minute. Sometimes we'll think, oh, that person's mad at me. They don't like me. I I, I think they looked at me cross-eyed and and I'm mad at them and and they're mad at me. and, And I think that's the way it is. And you know, when you really begin to examine it, they weren't mad at you at all. Maybe they had a bug in their eye or they didn't see you. Well, I saw them. They they drove up alongside of me in the car at the stoplight, and they didn't even look at me. They don't like me. Gird up the loins of your mind. (laughs) Well, gird up the loins of your mind concerning eternity as well. You see, uh, one of the things that the Bible endeavors to do all the way from Genesis to Revelation is to remind you you're an eternal being. You don't just exist now, and then when you're dead, you're gone. Dreadful sorry, Clementine, but you're going to be around forever somewhere. And this is what the Bible tells us, to always remind yourself of that inheritance that God has for you. Gird up the loins of your mind. Whenever you find the word therefore in the Bible, always find out why it's therefore. I know that's corny, but it's true. It means in conclusion of, or the summary of the matter. If you've got an inheritance in heaven, always remember that. Gird up the loins of your mind. And again, as it says here, that will be brought to you At the revelation of Jesus Christ. You're going to get your inheritance someday. Just know it's there. Now, it's kind of a neat thing to always remember that um, what you see right now isn't all that you get. There's a whole lot more that God has for you. Verse 14, he says, as obedient children, I think this is a me, (laughs) this is kind of funny because you find the word obedient here. (laughs) Obedient children. Um, when you think of children, do you think, generally speaking, of the word obedient with children? You know, Johnny, put the fire down. No, I mean, I mean, we don't usually tie obedience in with children. 
And there's a reason why we don't. And that's because children by nature do goofy things. I think it's really amazing here that he uses this word children with the word obedient because he knows that a lot of times we as people aren't going to be that way. So he says, As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance. He's saying you did a lot of things in ignorance before you came to Christ. Things that we didn't know that were wrong, we did. Unfortunately, for every person that's ever done any of those things, there's a consequence to pay. That's why God doesn't want you to sin. Remember, God's not a cosmic killjoy raining lightning bolts down on those that have been wayward towards him. God tells us that if you do these things, it goes against the unseen law of the universe. And when you do those things, you pay the price. But I don't think God's right. What's wrong with me just living with my boyfriend or girlfriend before we're married? I mean, that seems to be the the, the status quo of the day. And, and who says that's right or who says that's wrong? God says, if you do this, you will damage your heart. Well, I don't believe that. Okay, do it. Has your heart been damaged by it? Have you known anybody who ever did that, that their heart was damaged? Absolutely. And just because maybe we don't think God's right, doesn't change God's universal law that governs his universe. That's why, again, as we go back one verse, he says, Be sober, in verse 13 again. And the reason why is because there's a desire within people to get altered so that the reality of their lifestyle that's tearing them apart can be in some way decoupled from the way they live. You understand? A lot of people think that you can live recklessly and have a different outcome of life than what you think. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. You rebel against God, the price to pay is your life. Now it isn't that God doesn't want you to have fun. Always remember that. But God knows somehow, some way in the fun that we as humans oftentimes attribute to having a good time destroys us. He's saying, remember, you have an inheritance in heaven. Be sober. Remember this. And then he goes on and he tells us, he says, as obedient children, don't forget that there's a responsibility that we have to choose right. Now, don't you love it when you choose right? Don't you hate it when you choose wrong? Boy, I'll tell you, there's nothing more disappointing in life when you make a wrong choice. God's word, the fellowship of the saints, prayer, seeking the Lord, being filled with the Spirit, walking in His ways, helps us from making bad decisions in life. And do you know who has to primarily live in the bad decisions you make? You do. Now those around us have to live in it as well. Like I saw a program on television one time. It said, yeah, Bill doesn't think he's got a drinking problem. It's all of our problem. We have to live with him. Well, it's true. Your actions directly affect everybody else around us. I mean, we all know that. That's why we need to endeavor to do the best we can to love one another, to reach out to one another and help one another. Now look what he says. He says, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Now, friends, I don't believe Peter would have challenged us with this if it wasn't possible. Some people say, well, since it's impossible to be holy as God, why even try? 
let's party. No, it doesn't work that way. The Bible here says, be holy as your father's holy. In other words, have your father's eyes. You know, it's kind of a neat thing. And again, we've talked about this before on, on fathers, how important they are. Here again, we find Peter referencing our father in heaven the attributes that he has needs to be in us. Now, again, my heart goes out to any one of you that did not have a good earthly father. Because in your father, you determine many things in life. You determine your value system. If you're a woman, you determine what you're looking for as far as a husband or a mate goes. And, and if you're a man, you're der- driving your value system from your dad. So in other words, I see my dad as a very kind man, a very loving man. It's his um, grandfather on his 16th birthday gave Randy the family tractor, little Ford 8N, and Randy restored it. He restored it all up, took it over his dad's house, and on Monday, his dad says, do you mind if I use your brand new restored tractor, which would happen to be his father's tractor, Randy's grandfather's tractor, all restored now. Do you mind if I use it to pull my truck into the garage or my car into the garage to work on it? Randy says, great. He gets on it, starts it up, starts driving, puts his hands up in the air, and goes to heaven. Has a heart attack. Now, first of all, the good news is he was a Christian. I know he's with Jesus. But the thing is, is that one of the things in the memorial service that we were talking about was what his, what his children said about him. One of the things Randy said is he said, my father put the word kind in kindness. What a wonderful thing to be able to say about your dad. One of the things that uh, his daughter, Randy's sister, told me is he said, you know, he'd be out on the tractor. She said to a little girl and I'd climb on the tractor and we'd ride out through the field together. And she said he'd look at all the, 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 the grain and everything. And he said, do you know how many people we're going to feed with all this food? She said, I never heard him say, do you know how much money we're going to get from all this? Do you know how much? And I thought, wow, those, those thought patterns, those lifestyles end up in a person's life that long after that person has gone to be with the Lord, those parameters, those guidelines still remain in a person's life. And so for those that have had a good heavenly, or maybe I should say a good earthly father, it's fairly easy to relate with a heavenly father. That's one of the advantages that you, moms and dads who have children in your home, as you lay down a good example for your kids, what's right, what's wrong, what's allowed to come into your home, what's not allowed to come into your home, what friends you're allowed to allow your children to have, and which ones you say, no, honey, I I think that this person is not a good influence in your life, these kinds of things. They figure that out, and they see elements of a heavenly father in their earthly father. My heart goes out to people who don't have an earthly father that they knew. Or an earthly father that perhaps was violent or drunk or mean or cruel or abusive in some way. Because then the word father has a very different terminology than to those that were raised in a normal home. They said only 7% of children today have a stay-at-home mom and a real dad. Only 7%, friends. That which 50 years ago was the norm now is the abnormal in our society. What kind of generation do you think this group of kids is going to have in understanding what a family unit is? And there's more. 
The term family vacation that oftentimes we often refer to in the summertime. Oh, we're going on family vacation. What, what does that mean? Well, uh, we're going with my mom's boy, third boyfriend she's had this month with his two kids that I really don't like. And, and we're going to, and maybe some of these stories relate to you. Do you see how bad you need a heavenly father to help you? You might say, well, Mike, I, I was, I'm a guy. I was raised with an abusive father. Hey, listen, all the more you need Jesus to reprogram your thought patterns on what a father is. And so when Peter here writes, be holy as your father in heaven is, that is not some obscure, um, unapproachable, unobtainable challenge. But he's saying here, listen. These things are things that really, as you endeavor to know God, God will endeavor to put into you. I have found that you, have you ever hung around with people and you notice that as you are around them, you start developing their vernacular, their words. I had a friend in third grade, his name was Charlie Mills. And I don't know where he got the terminology, but I liked it. I remember one time in class, the teacher asked him a question. She said, do you know, you know, what year Washington crossed the Delaware or whatever? And she looked at him and he said, I haven't the foggiest. (laughs) And I have used, I haven't the foggiest many times through the course of my life. I noticed that you pick up phraseologies and behavioral things. If you're with a bunch of people and you know this, that are smoking dope and drinking, the possibility of you smoking dope and drinking become very, very real. If you're around people all the time that are cussing and swearing, using the name of the Lord in vain, the chances of you developing some of their habits become very real. But I'd also like to say that the more you hang around the Lord, the more that you understand His principles and His design, His holiness, those become part of your inner inside of you and in in what and makes up you as a being so if you see those things and you start seeing this world through the eyes of god and you begin to first maybe the first time in your life have another perspective of life other than your own and you begin to think wow you know in other words if i do certain things there's a there's a consequence to pay yeah you mean if i do certain things there's an eternal reward at stake here yes Be holy as your Father in heaven is. Because, verse 16, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Um, Walking in your Father's footsteps. You ever notice that? You ever watched a kid do that in the dust? Maybe you did that when you were a kid. Your dad would walk along in in the dust or in the dirt or in the beach, and you would try to put your feet in your dad's footsteps. You know what I found? When you're about four years old, that's quite a stretch for your little legs. Because daddy's got long legs, we got short legs. But you know what? You can do it. And I believe that God challenges us to do it and opens our eyes to the results of not doing it. You know, a lot of people say, well, when I accept the Lord, what does that mean? I got to stop doing all the stuff I like to do and start doing a bunch of stuff I don't like to do. Is that what being a Christian is? And you kind of swap them and this makes you something? No, you know what? When you really fall in love with Jesus, God opens your eyes to the results of sin. That's amazing. Seeing life through God's eyes so that sin does not look so illustrious, so attractive, but rather through the Holy Spirit, it reveals what it does to you. 
How else could you ever be holy as I am holy, saith the Lord? I no way. Why does God think holiness is better than partying or living a life of sin? Because God sees what that goes to and where that leads and the result of it. How many times have we all said in our life over and over again, Oh, I wish I would have. Wish I would have. Wish I would have. Sound like a broken, bunch of broken washing machines. Wish I would have. Wish I would have. Wish I would have. Living your whole life in regret. The old saying, well, hindsight is twenty twenty. Well, let me tell you, God's foresight is yours. See, in other words, God equips us, opens our eyes, so that we don't do the things that take away the potential of what God wants to do in our life because he reveals to us what life is. If you're not a Christian here this morning, I can venture to say you do not have that in your life. Because, and by the way, that's why there's always a desire. If you're not a Christian, or if you know anybody that's not a Christian, you'll always notice, though, there's a a desire for enlightenment. Okay, let's meditate on the third eye in the middle of our forehead. Um, Trying to get insight. I got got to check my horoscope. Come over to Fred's house tonight. He's breaking out the Ouija board. We're going to kind of check out life. Friends, listen, there's a quest to know. Some people just think just having a lot of uh, diplomas hanging on the wall is going to solve all your problems. That just means you die smart. You, You have to understand that there's a desire in all of us to know so that we don't do mistakes. Only God really has that. So, as he says, be holy, as I am holy. And if you call on the Father who is without partiality, judges according each one according to his work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your sojourning here in fear. I like that. He says, if you call him the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work. I, I like that. In other words, if you pray, and because God doesn't have favorites, that's what without partiality means, that means that God's going to help you do what you're supposed to do while you're living here on this planet. Why you sojourn here? It's interesting. If you go back to the first part of this chapter last week, he, he says, to the sojourners or the pilgrims, you know, we're just the passing through here. And if you don't believe me, drive by the cemetery. Those are all people who passed through and gone on. And so when we try to hold on to something too much in this life, the Bible reminds us, hey, this isn't what, it, well, this isn't what life consists of. Notice he says, conduct yourselves... Throughout the time of your sojourning here. Think about the way you live your life. Now, the reason why I believe he's leading to this, as we get towards the, uh, the end of this chapter, we find that he begins to go into an element that we all desperately need. That's Pastor Mike Kessler with It's Time. I'd like to take this moment to invite you to get your free copy of It's Time to Grow, the new believers booklet written by Pastor Mike. It's Time to Grow answers many of the questions new believers have in a clear and concise manner, followed by the scripture references for each statement made. It's Time to Grow can be yours simply by dialing 800-357-4226. That's 1-800-357-4226. Or you can order it online for free at csnradio.com. 
Don't forget, if you'd like a copy of today's program, you can call our toll-free line I mentioned before, and that's 1-800-357-4226. Also, the daily free podcast is available through iTunes by searching for It's Time in the iTunes Store. On behalf of Pastor Mike and all of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening, and tune in next time for It's Time. It's time.